Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. It's kind of amazing how time passes. It seems like Georgia spring practice just started, and yet on Saturday it comes to a conclusion. We've been watching this team, the first remnants of what we'll see on the field for the dogs this fall, the 2023 version of Georgia trying to go for three in 23. Uh, We've seen some of that start to come together here, and as as we watch all this play out ahead of G Day on Saturday, I think one of the funniest moments for Georgia spring practice probably took place when we got a chance to hear. And I was somewhat surprised that we got this opportunity to both the quarterbacks that are seemingly right now competing to be Georgia starter Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift. Uh, one of those nights in which the press conference take place with Georgia players. We heard from Carson. We heard from Brock. It was obviously really interesting to hear from both those guys. But there was one thing that Brock Vandegrift in particular uh, said that I thought was kind of funny about what his first interaction was with Mike Bobo as Bobo stepped to the forefront as Georgia's offensive coordinator. And at that particular time, Bobo made a promise to Brock Vandegrift and the other Georgia quarterbacks. And Vandegrift very, did a very good job of telling the story about how all of this went down just a few days ago. Let me remind you of what Brock Vandegrift said at the time. Coach Bobo, he's uh, he's pretty intense. On the first day, he came in the quarterback room. He said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna coach y'all hard, and I I hope y'all I hope y'all are open to that." And uh, heck, he didn't really give us a choice. He said, "I'm gonna coach y'all hard, and that's the way it's gonna go." And we all said, "Yes, sir." And uh, I, I think it's been really good, just the way he's been coaching us. Uh, he has a reason for everything he does. Uh, his meetings go well, and um, yes, sir. So listen, I think Brock Vandergrift does a pretty good job of telling that story. He sat us down and said, hey, listen, here's the one thing you need to know. I'm going to coach you hard. And Vandergrift says, we didn't really have much of a choice. We just said, yes, sir. And obviously, if you're a coach, and you want to be respected by your players. You better prove to be a man of your word on certain things like this. And I think we have some evidence today that the promise that Mike Bobo in his kind of early days as Georgia offensive coordinator made to some of his players, that promise is coming true. You know, it's worth following the Georgia official accounts on Twitter, Instagram, things like that. They do a good job of putting out video content. And really one of the things they do, they don't have to do this, but they're usually pretty good about doing this, is they'll share some video and things like that that are coming out of Georgia practices. And for most of us, that's our only chance to see a lot of the stuff right now. Now, the cynical minded among us, we all know that this is very tightly edited and very careful and nothing creeps out that Georgia doesn't want to creep out. But still, to get kind of an inside look at what's happening with some of this Georgia practice stuff, Georgia on social media, uh, usually a pretty good follow. I'll put a link to this particular video when I post our show today later on at the worldfamousdognation.com. But Brock Vandegrift says, hey, Mike Bobo stepped in as offensive coordinator. He said, I'm going to coach you hard. That was the promise he made to those players. Sounds like he's keeping his promise because uh georgia mic'd up bobo for a practice kind of followed him around and it's like two minutes worth of like bobo yelling about this and running around doing that and pretty clearly the hard hard coaching that bobo said he was going to provide he is uh certainly doing that i'm gonna give you like 20 seconds worth of this to sort of give you a uh, kind of a sense uh, of what hard coaching from bobo sounds like and then maybe you'll see the entire video for yourself later on this is mike bobo keeping his promise to coach up not just the quarterbacks but the entire offense to coach them hard and get them ready for the upcoming season and here is early days. Mike Bobo is Georgia offensive coordinator. Come on, come on, put it on him. Put it on him. Put it on him. Go, 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 go. Let's go. Let's go. 11. Bubba, bubba, bubba. Stick it, stick it, stick it, stick it. There we go. Good. You, you cover out after this play. Yeah, two in a row. Two in a row. Stop. Boom. And two in a row. Two in a row. So if you're watching a video, you even see some of that there a little bit, too. And like the entire thing is pretty much all of that. There's also one portion in which it's hard for me to fully make out exactly what's happening. But you've got Bobo uh, mentioning something about, you know, Aaron Rodgers being willing to check down. And then they kind of briefly kind of get into an argument about who's the greatest quarterback of all time. And it's just kind of a funny thing. And if you've ever been around a sports team, this is sort of the thing that happens while you're busy doing one thing. Sometimes you're kind of having some sort of sports argument about something else. And, you know, so so. uh, a lot of what's happening there sort of feels like maybe an experience we've had in our own lives from time to time, but it's kind of a cool look at Bobo and kind of an example of Bobo telling Brock Vandergrift, the other quarterbacks, I'm going to coach you hard. And in this particular video, you see Bobo doing just,
just that with you know quarterbacks and wide receivers and everybody else this is pretty clearly a, a coach good friends with Kirby Smart of, co- of course and also a, a coach kind of cut from that same cloth there as well when I have chances to see Georgia practice one of the things I've always been kind of amazed at over the years is is that Kirby Smart even though he's like you know the CEO figure of this huge organization if you saw Kirby Smart during practice, at least that's been true for you know previous years when I've had a chance to be there. I don't always get to go to you know practice when the media does, but when I am there, well, one of the things I notice is even though Kirby Smart's the leader of this organization, I mean, in a regular practice situation, he's got his sleeves rolled up, so to speak. He's right there in the mix with everybody else. You really wouldn't know if you weren't already aware of who Kirby Smart is. You wouldn't really know if he was a you know a position coach or, or whatever else. He is that involved in what's happening in practice. He has his hands on and animated almost as anybody during one of these practices and it sounds like Mike Bobo's offensive coordinator is going to kind of be the same way I think he brings a lot of energy to this position and I think that's also really valuable too because one of the things that we know is that you know in Bobo's first iteration near his Georgia offensive coordinator going back years ago he was one of Georgia's most important recruiters and I think sometimes how you do anything is how you do everything and so for Bobo who brings that kind of energy to the practice field he's also bringing that same energy to the recruiting trail there as well it's maybe one of the reasons why we've seen Georgia's relationship with five-star quarterback Dylan Riola grow as a for instance that that Bobo brings just kind of an infectious energy to this and it's attractive and it's the kind of thing that would draw a guy like Dylan in and it certainly seems to be working in terms of creating the right pace of play for the uh, Georgia offense during the practices so Bobo said he was going to coach him up hard video evidence would suggest that he's kept his word at least on that thus far how about the rest though of the transition here for Mike Bobo as Georgia offensive coordinator you know yesterday Georgia coach Kirby Smart speaking of him we mentioned a moment ago Georgia coach Kirby Smart made an appearance on the Atlanta sports radio station 92.9 the game I love our friends over there I make a weekly appearance on 92.9 The Game on Tuesdays with the uh, Andy and Randy show, Andy Bunker and Randy McMichael, the former Georgia tight end. So we have a pretty close relationship with our friends at 92.9 The Game. They also have a brand new show. It's called The Steakhouse, uh, Steak Shapiro, our buddy Rusty Manziel, uh, a part of that there too. And on yesterday's show, they had the Georgia coach Kirby Smart live on the air. And I'll also put a link to this interview when I uh, post our show uh, a little bit later on at dognation.com. And one of the things that uh, Kirby got into with uh, Steak and Rusty was the the idea of what it's been like for Mike Bobo now as offensive coordinator and you know you kind of see him in action right there in the video you heard some of that audio there a moment ago how about from Kirby's perspective the transition from Todd Munkin who obviously leaves very big shoes to fill and Mike Bobo back in a role once again that he has had before this is what Kirby Smart said about that yesterday on 92.9 the game Really comfortable with uh, with where we were, with, with where Muckin had left us and uh, done a good job uh, building a, uh, an, an offense and uh, putting together, you know, things that, that highlighted our strengths, which were our tight ends, our quarterback's athleticism, shots down the field to some uh, really explosive wide outs, um, throwing the ball to the back. So, so a lot of that was in place. Um, Mike is familiar with all those things. I mean, we went against him for two years, a lot of the same plays that teams are running in the NFL, both Coach Muck and Coach Bobo were running uh, while they were at different places. So it's just one called it apples, one called it oranges, and uh, we're, we're keeping a lot of the same terminology um, from the from the Muckin's offense. And we've got four coaches in that room already that um, are used to doing that. we got a group of players used to doing that. So I felt very comfortable about him carrying that over. Um, I know how competitive he is. Uh, I know what a teacher he is. I know that he cares about his players. And uh, more than anything in college football right now is players got to know that you care about them and that you that you want them to be great. And uh, I know he wants those things for his, for his team. I mean, I'll take those three characteristics that Smart describes there. And once again, that was from 92.9 The Game. I'll take those three characteristics that Smart describes there from any coach in this Georgia roster. Is he a competitor? Does he want to keep winning? Is he just as hungry to get national championship number three for this program as the previous guys were to get national championships one and two, at least in this smart era? I, I, I certainly believe that's probably the case with Mike Bobo, and that's what you want to be true. Also, are you a teacher? You're going to have a brand-new starting quarterback this year. You're going to have skill position players in larger, more expanded roles they've been in the past. And to be able to be the best versions of themselves, they're going to have to be taught up. They're going to have to be coached up. And sometimes that's hard coaching, and sometimes maybe that's just explaining something in a, in, a, in, a, in a clever way or whatever that is. But you know, putting on that teacher hat when needed, that's really important for an offensive coordinator there as well. And you know that genuine demonstration, as Kirby Smart says, of 
caring for your players. There's the old cliche about, you know, teachers. You've probably seen this on a poster somewhere before that, you know, um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I don't know that's a cliche, but sometimes cliches get to be that way because of how true they are. And in a day and age which the portal opens up a couple of times a year, in which players we know are just always looking around for the grass being greener somewhere else for a better opportunity somewhere else, the kind of tight family bond that Georgia sells is the kind of thing that I think can keep players involved in this program. There was another interview that Smart did uh, this spring where he talked about that desire to keep at least 70% of the players that Georgia signs out of high school in the program. And having coaches that genuinely care uh, about their players is one of the ways you can do that. So Smart says that's what Mike Bobo is, and certainly we believe that's why players over the course of you know, a good number of years on the SEC have responded so favorably to him. So we think that Mike Bobo has a chance to be a very successful offensive coordinator. Obviously, the standard for Georgia offensively is high because of how good Todd Munkin was, but we think that Bobo has a chance to do that. Now, I'll also say this real quick, and then we'll kind of shift the gear to something else. I don't know how much of this you see on Saturday. Ultimately, I don't know that G-Day on Saturday is necessarily a referendum on Mike Bobo because we know this, you know, uh, George is going to do something offensively in this game that's sort of a world apart from itself. A, it wants to evaluate quarterbacks closely. Therefore, they may not run the ball quite as much. B, they don't want to put anything on film in the spring game that can come back to hurt them later on with the fall because they know that opposing coaches are going to be peeking in to see exactly what's going on here in this particular uh, spring, uh, spring game. So whatever Georgia has in store for the fall, we probably won't see that until the fall. And the evaluation of Bobo in his first year on the job will happen then. Does he get Georgia back near that sort of 40-point-per-game mark? Does he kind of keep him in that neighborhood? Georgia had 98 plays last year of 20 or more yards. Does he get Georgia kind of back in that category again? Do they score big point totals in their postseason games? Last year, Georgia had, what, 50 in the SEC title game, 40-plus in the uh, Peach Bowl National Semifinal game, and 65 in the National Championship. So that's one of the ways that Mike Bobo will be evaluated there as well once the season uh once the season takes place. But we can see this on Saturday. Uh, Kirby describes him as a teacher. We see video evidence from Georgia of him doing just that hands-on with his coaching process. How comfortable does he have guys like Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift and also Gunnar Stockton on Saturday? Do they look the part? Does the Georgia offense, with at least what it's asked to do on Saturday, does it kind of hum along? Is there, is there some precision there? Is the administration good? That may be all we can find out on Saturday, Bobo and his leadership of these quarterbacks, but that still sets the stage for a pretty entertaining day. We're only a couple of ways from a couple of days away from G Day, and I think at this point the excitement is starting to build. And certainly Mike Bobo is a part of that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Merriweather and Tharp, and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. We are available as a podcast wherever you find them, the Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com. You know, all, some people listen directly on SoundCloud. There are all kinds of ways for you to hear our show, whichever way you choose. We're just glad you do it. Really, truly, I mean that genuinely, sincerely. Uh, so thankful that even during the offseason, even during all of this, you know, uh, so many of you choose to kind of flock in here and be a part of what we do each and every day. We try to work hard and, and uh, make good use of your time, but we are so thankful that you're willing to share your time with us. That truly means a lot to us. And we're also thankful for our friends at Merriweather and Tharp who make the show possible there as well. Couldn't do all that we do without great sponsors and Merriweather and Tharp, they've been super loyal to us so much through the years. And I love telling their story because, listen, here's the thing I understand is that an audience the size of ours, you know, divorce is just a fact of life for a statistical significant portion of our audience here. And listen, you know, you know, a lot of us get together and we talk about Georgia football and things like that, but we also kind of talk about the other things that go on in life. And sometimes that's good stuff. You know, children are born or, you know, something along those lines. And sometimes that's not quite so good. And obviously divorce can be one of the scariest, most challenging situations you find yourself facing. But sometimes it's just a reality. And so if for you, you kind of find yourself in that scenario where, hey, maybe you tried to pretend for a while it wasn't real. And then you tried to work as hard as you could to kind of keep it from becoming real. And you've done all of that. 
But at this point in time, you're just left to sort of face the facts that this is going to happen. This relationship is severed now and it can't be fixed. Well, if that's the spot you find yourself in, then the only choice you can make is then to do what's best moving forward for you, including the situation you're in right now of walking through this divorce process. And that's why you want to have a great team like the team of attorneys there at Meriwether and Tharp to be with you as a part of this. Because when you have that free initial consultation with one of those attorneys, they're going to explain stuff to you about how the law can work and things you haven't even thought about. Because Let's face it, you know, the law is complicated. The big law books are, you know, thick and it's ponderous and it's all the kind of stuff that's maybe hard to understand. But our folks at Meriwether and Tharp have been through situations like this thousands of times. Your situation is obviously specific to you, but the divorce process, there's an institutional knowledge that's gained when you go through this as many times as our folks at Meriwether and Tharp have been. They can help allow you to borrow some of that wisdom and borrow some of that knowledge to make the best decision for you here right now and set yourself up for happiness in the next phase of your life. And that's a really, really important thing to do. So that's why I want you to reach out to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. They are your source for Georgia divorce, your source for Georgia divorce. It's the Atlanta divorce team.com, the Atlanta divorce team.com. That'll get you in touch with Meriwether and Tharp. All right, before we're done in today's show, we have one of the most fascinating golden shoes we've ever had. We do a golden shoe at the end of each and every show. It's just kind of a funny, fun way to kind of close out our show. Uh, it's stuff that y'all send in to me. This one blew my mind, and I'm not just saying that. And you'll see more about this later on. Uh, we'll talk about that then there at that point. It's also Terrence Edwards stopping by today. That is always a lot of fun. Uh, prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse here, and I want to focus in a little bit more on what Kirby Smart said on 92.9 The Game. Now, Kirby Smart has been in place as Georgia coach since 2016, and we've kind of gotten to know Kirby pretty good through all of that. And here's one of the things that we do know, especially this time of year, spring practice, first chance to see or hear about newcomers to the Georgia program, incoming freshmen. You know, Georgia's going to have the top rated or the number two or possibly number three recruiting class each and every year. That means almost everybody that Georgia signs is going to have some level of accolade, some level of hype around them. And then when a guy has some early good performances during practice, there's this sort of rumor mill telephone game. As I say, sometimes people who know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody start saying, Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? That's going to be true for Georgia each and every year. In this particular year, one of the guys that the best that I can tell from smart people that I've talked to justifiably has earned some of that buzz, has been the freshman tied in, lost and lucky. And so, you know, Kirby Smart was asked about Lucky during his most recent press conference last Saturday. We played some of that audio for you this week here on Dog Nation Daily. And then once again yesterday on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, Smart was asked about loss and Lucky once again. And you can just hear the disdain dripping off Kirby Smart's voice about this topic, not the people asking the questions, about the topic in particular, because Smart does not like freshman hype. So when he realized, oh, and now I've been asked several times about loss and lucky, that obviously means that this chatter is out there in the world. Uh, you sort of realize that Smart wants to try to throw water on this topic if he can. Although in the midst of that, he does acknowledge that Lucky has had a really good spring. Instead of me describing the clip to you, let me let you hear Kirby Smart with your own ears. Smart doing what he almost always has to do this time of year, kind of push back against some of the hype for an incoming freshman who sounds like he's had a pretty good spring. Kirby Smart, once again, from 92. Yeah, I don't game. know that, that, that that's a fair assessment. I think you know what's happened is he had a scrimmage where he made a couple plays um, and made some did some nice things. So all of a sudden it, 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 it came out there and – and I don't know whether the defensive players read the clippings or, or Lawson read the clippings, but you know there's been days after that, that that he hadn't been in his best in terms of toughness and competitiveness. Now, is he in a good spot for a mid-year guy that was in high school last year? Yeah, I'm very pleased with what he's done. Um, I want to see it a little more consistent. Um, he's not had the block of you know six foot four, 280 pound defensive end either. So when he has to do that, he's got to be able to stay in front of them. But he's made some plays in the past game and. Um, I love the fact that he's he's not happy with where he's at. He he continues to compete. So none of that's surprising, as I said. Kirby Smart does not like hype for incoming freshmen, so he's just by instinct going to push back against some of that. Also, the idea that for a guy like Lucky, who I told you the other day, I called one of his games at the Corky Kell Classic uh, this past season, and that kind of crisp route running, that 
playmaking ability as a tight end we saw that on display against a pretty good Brookwood team there that day so the idea that he's flashing in that regard during these Georgia spring practices that's not a huge surprise if you did see Lucky play in high school because he is a terrific athlete and, and, and the ability to go catch the ball and kind of do things as kind of a playmaker in keeping with what Georgia has had it tied in lately that that makes a lot of sense makes all the sense in the world now it's also not surprising to hear yeah but for a guy that was in high school five minutes ago to step on the field and be able to kind of collide physically with as Kirby Smart says 280 pound defensive ends that just takes some getting used to you can't create that even at the 7a level of Georgia high school football you can't create that on Friday nights you can't have that 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 repeated requirement for physicality at the high school level that you have the college level because just not every player is built that same way in high school the way they are in college. So you're not necessarily surprised to hear Kirby Smart say that either. But in the midst of all of that, Kirby kind of doing what he typically does, you do hear a couple of nice compliments for Lucky that I do think translate pretty well. The fact that that Smart acknowledges, yeah, some of that playmaking stuff you guys had heard about, rumor mill this and rumor mill that, yeah, that kind of was true. There was some of that going on. Maybe it hasn't happened each and every practice, but honestly, flashing a few times during a spring is probably enough for an incoming freshman. That's probably all about all you can ask for there in that regard. And Smart also kind of pointing out, hey, this is a young man that's also been kind of driven to succeed here too. He's not satisfied with where he is. He doesn't consider himself to have arrived just because – you know, so-and-so message board said something good about him or so-and-so Twitter post was, you know, bragging about something that, you know, their third cousin's uncle had said he'd heard from Georgia practice. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's not enough for loss and lucky. He wants to keep building on that, which I think, uh, is kind of a cool thing. So one more here, if loss and lucky is one of those guys that we've all heard about, how about from Kirby Smart with his own eyes? What have you seen from Georgia practice? And Smart mentions four guys here, and maybe none of these are necessarily all that surprising because they sort of feel like Kirby guys in a lot of ways. Uh, Kirby Smart mentioned four guys here that he thinks have had pretty good springs. And so if Kirby says it, it must be true. This is, once again, Kirby from 92.9. I think Dylan Bell's done a good job. He's competed hard. Marcus Rosamy. I mean, there's, there's some good leaders over there, guys that have been in the program for a couple of years that are just – really working hard. I mean, Bull Bull's doing a good job. Kamari's doing a good job. It's hard to pick one guy out uh, that, that, that people don't know because, I mean, there's a bunch of guys out there practicing really hard. So, and by the way, you can hear the entire interview, 92.9thegame.com. I'll also put a link to the uh, full interview when I post our show later on. So when Kirby says Bull, he's talking about Javon Bullard. So probably not a huge surprise that a guy who was Georgia's most effective defensive player in the college football playoff, arguably so, has picked up right where he left off here this spring, whether that's at the safety spot or the or, or the, the nickelback star spot. Uh, it sounds like that he is in a uh, really great spot with all of that. And then Kamari Laster, who also Kirby Smart mentions there, we think that Kamari is going to end up being one of Georgia's most important players this fall because he's kind of now in that veteran cornerback role the guy who's kind of been here and the guy who starts opposite him no matter who it ends up being Dalen Everett or somebody else that's just going to be a less experienced player so Kamari Laster has a chance to not only kind of rise to a new level of stardom but really Georgia sort of needs him to do that because uh, he is now the experienced corner in this group here for this upcoming season so nice to hear Kirby saying that he's had a good spring and then on the uh, wide receiver part of this and I'll ask Terrence Edwards more about this here in a moment because one of the guys that Kirby mentions there is Dylan Bell. And I think we have kind of heard some of this about Bell. And Bell is, you know, one of the things that Georgia, I think, has done a pretty good job of is they've they've created a wide receiver room where guys just sort of look different. You've got big-time speedsters like Arian Smith and C.J. Smith and Yazid Haynes. You know, these are big-time speed guys that Georgia sort of brought in here. Uh, you know, Anthony uh, Evans maybe you like that a little bit too. Dylan Bell's kind of a stronger dude, a guy who sort of looks like the running back, a running back from that wide receiver spot, maybe kind of cut from some of the same cloth that Akiris Jackson would have been cut from. And it sounds like Bell's had himself a, a good spring. And then Marcus Rosemi Jackson, you know, we've talked a lot about underrated players in the Georgia roster. I think that Marcus Rosemi Jackson had a much better season last year than a lot of folks have given him credit for. And his decision to return to Georgia this is one of Georgia's top five pass catchers last season. Coming back here this year, a guy who was a real security blanket for Bennett on a lot of third down completions and and you know things like that. Him coming back, very big deal for the upcoming year. So, you know, we don't want to make too much of you know Kirby Smart, you know, throwing a few compliments and uh, in, in a handful of players' direction there. But in the case of Rosemi Jackson and Dylan Bell. If you could, uh, you know, get big contributions from them in that wide receiver room here this year, this wide receiver situation for UGA could be deeper and and more dynamic 
than maybe it's been at any point in time prior to this year in the Kirby Smart era. So really interesting stuff right there. We'll make that around the doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. And as I said, we'll get ready to talk to Terrence Edwards about this some because, you know, Dylan Bell's a guy that Terrence has praised before. Dylan's had, uh, I should say, Terrence also had some interesting things to say as of late about loss and lucky, uh, even going back to what he said on our show a couple of weeks ago about that there as well. So we'll kind of cover all of that to get you ready for G-Day, and we'll also try to squeeze in before we're done. Uh, I believe that Terrence said on Twitter the other day he was going to try to take a look at Nitro Tuggle, the brand-new Georgia wide receiver commit for the class of 2024. So we'll see if we can talk to Terrence Edwards about some of that here too. Always a fun conversation with a great former Georgia wide receiver ahead of G-Day on Saturday. Let's do it right now here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Terrence Edwards joins us here. Great former Georgia wide receiver, uh, terrific coach right now, just as involved in every aspect of football as he possibly can be. And uh, we're happy to have him in the program here today. Uh, Terrence, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but remind me, as a player yourself, you know, what did you think of G-Day? How was it in terms of, uh more like a practice more like a real game something kind of in between obviously which is probably what it really is i guess you know as a player yourself throughout your georgia career what did you do mentally to kind of get ready for g day and what would your approach be you know maybe a couple of days prior honestly it's it's a lot in between it's it's not a full game but you get opportunity to go into the stadium and perform in front in front of the fans so you want to go out and put your best foot forward uh, but I just think the main thing, most players uh, honestly come out just hoping to come out healthy and not get any serious injury uh, in this game. Did it make it easier to kind of do something like this where, like, you know, in the fall you got, you know, 93,000 people in the stadium and it's, you know, uh, certainly a very big deal. Your first G-Day, I forget if that was 98 or 99. I apologize for not remembering. Did it make it a little easier to kind of go out there and play during the fall, knowing that you'd had at least kind of a taste of what football, you know, would have been like, you know, back during the spring? Did that make the transition easier for you? It did. You know, for a lot of young guys, especially a lot of these uh, freshmen that enroll early, this is their their first opportunity to put on their pads and go in between the hedges and and play at the Georgia board. A lot of them have visited. And they have went through kind of the recruiting process. Now the recruiting process is over. Now the fans get opportunity to, to see you in person, live, and form an opinion about you. So this is a you know the, their first opportunity to showcase their talent in front of you know the faithful in, in that stadium. And it helps going into the first regular season game that you you understand uh, the optics of playing at, at Sanford Stadium between the hedges and. Uh, the nervousness could be out. It's, it's, it's not the same for G-Day and, and a regular game, but you could get some of the nerves out of being at, playing in that game for the first time, playing in that stadium for the first time. We heard some of Kirby Smart a moment ago saying some nice things about Dylan Bell, a guy that you've also praised uh, yourself, including coming out of high school as a guy who you thought had a chance to really be a receiver that made a name for himself. Marcus Rosemey Jacks ain't there as well. One of the things I said before you joined us is, to me, Terrence, George has probably done a better job than maybe at any point in time in the Kirby Smart era of creating a lot of different profiles for receivers in its current receiver room. You know, you got the speed guys like Arian Smith and certainly C.J. Smith, and then you got, you know, guys like Dylan Bell, who I think bring the physicality. You got young guys hungry for their opportunity. You got a veteran player like Marcus Rosemey Jackson who you can kind of lean on uh, for his experience. It seems like there's kind of a wide array of different kinds of receivers in this Georgia room right now, which I do think is important. And I think it's interesting to hear Smart highlight Rosemey Jackson and Bell in particular because – Listen, I think these are two guys that Georgia might really be able to count on here this upcoming uh, fall, and I'm looking forward to seeing them both there on G-Day. I'm sure you are as well. Oh, most definitely. You know, uh, I really admire Marcus uh, a lot. Every time I get the opportunity to go down there and spend time with them, I definitely try to spend time with him. He's a guy that's very unselfish. He's a receiver that came in that's highly talented, uh, highly rated, and thought, you know, his career probably – have will, will have went in a different direction, but he's been an unselfish player. He he does everything they ask him to do. Uh, when I when I went down for the clinic, uh, they highlight they highlighted him doing special teams here. And if you watch this young man run down on kickoff, uh, a lot of wide receivers do not have that mentality. So I want to give Marcus his 
his flaws his flaws now yeah. he's a, a team guy and Dylan is somebody that I, I truly like coming out of high school. Uh, he's probably not the fastest. Uh he he's put together very well, but he's tough. So both of those guys are very tough minded receivers. That's that's the glue guys for this team. Yes, Aaron is the downfield guy. Brock is get all the accolades, but you need glue guys on your team to have a successful team. Yeah, no doubt about that. And when it comes to like Rosemary Jackson and the uh, special teams part of this, this is one of those things where I think that Georgia does a pretty good job of this because I've heard some of this in spring practice when I've been there. But just kind of reminding guys of, hey, you know, listen, you know, you may go to the NFL and you may, uh, you know, be a wide receiver in the first round. You may, you know, make fifty million dollars, or you may play for the league minimum at that at that special team spot. But guess what? That's a pretty good life for yourself if you can put a career together doing that. And that's a great way to get the attention of one of these NFL teams. I think that Kyrus Jackson, this upcoming draft, may be one of those guys who obviously he can contribute as a wide receiver, but you know he's going to approach the, the 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 special teams part of this with a bunch of physicality, and that gives a guy. A chance to make a roster that he otherwise might not have oh most definitely a lot of people probably don't understand how the roster management goes in the nfl it's a little different than college there's only 53 guys plus uh some practice squad guys but as a receiver and speaking of marcus and uh cares uh that fifth six receiver guy is special is a special teams guy um that's what his role is on the team so if you go in and i think marcus and Kiers have a really good chance of, of making a team because of their ability to play special teams. So, I mean, you look at a, a name that a lot of people won't, won't really remember, Steve Tasker played yeah. probably 10 to 15 years just being a great special teams guy. Uh, uh, the Patriots, I can't remember his name. Now, the New England Patriots have a guy right now, their roster has probably played 12 or 13 years, and you probably don't remember know his name because they can't think, but he's a right. special teams guy. And, uh, so there's a, there's a space for guys like Marcus in the NFL. And if he continue to, to improve as a receiver, continue to be a team leader, um, he probably won't be a high-round draft pick. But with his special teams, he's going to have an opportunity to uh, play a long time in the NFL just because he's that unselfish type of guy, tough, South Florida, and Dylan Bell is the same way. There's uh, some stuff you've said on social media this week that's kind of gotten some attention uh, as it relates to Lawson Lucky. Now, we heard from Kirby Smart a moment ago of, hey, Lucky really has had a good spring, and yet you know how Kirby is. He didn't want to you know, give too much attention to incoming freshmen. You know, you know, yeah, that's just how Kirby kind of goes on stuff like that. But would you mind kind of expanding about this more? I know we've talked about this uh, a little bit there as well, that you know, I saw Lawson play in high school last year. This really is you know, kind of that playmaking style of tight end that Georgia just seems to have a lot of here these days and I know this is a guy that's really impressed you too um so would you mind kind of expanding on some of what you've kind of talked about as it relates to Lawson on social media here yeah so Lawson is a guy that you know I, I've known for a long time just because I play with his father and his uncle um at Georgia and I've done a lot of work with Lawson uh in the past as well so I've known a young man and known about his abilities for a, a while um, as I said, once Lawson went to uh, started practicing for bowl practice, I immediately said Lawson would probably be the best route running tight end that we have because he ran routes like a big slot receiver. Um, he could sit down, he could get in and out of his breaks, um, he could catch the football, and he's he deceptively fast. He's faster than you think he is. And what I wrote on Twitter is about uh, in the early recruiting process. Um, he wasn't ranked this high as some of the other guys. And we know how a lot of fans get, not just the Georgia fan base, a lot of fan bases get when there's a guy that's not ranked very high. We tend to not believe that he's legitimately as good as probably people like me say he is. So they believe what the pundits say and not put anything against the pundits. But go look for yourself. And I, I, I saw Lucky. I've watched his development. I knew the type of player that he was beat, and he's showing it right now. So I just encourage a lot of people all the time, just don't take what other people's opinions about players. Just go watch the film for yourself and form your own opinion. And my opinion was Lawson is better than his ranking, and he's going to shock a lot of people. And I'm going to continue to uh, give him his applause and praise him. And I wish people would have had the opportunity to see Piercy as well as Sperling. Yeah. We got two young tight ends that, you know, the tight end room is in good shape for years to come. 
as a former player and current coach, you obviously have a sharp eye for looking at this kind of stuff. So tell me what you're looking to see on G-Day. You know, it's not the same as a football game in the fall because quarterbacks aren't being tackled to the ground and presumably Georgia is going to only show a portion of its offense for a, for a number of reasons so what do you want to see and what would stand out to you as noticeable if you did see it well no so the first thing just for me I just want everyone to come out healthy I need every yeah. player uh, that we have going into the summer workouts into the fall healthy and don't need anyone uh, limping into the season because the old saying is we limp into a season, you're going to limp out. Um, another thing, all the, the players that we do have injured right now, uh, is having a strong rehab. Um, you know, that's just as big as going out being, uh, practicing on the field. We need those, those guys ready for the fall and the summer as well. And then I just want to see the quarterbacks. I want, I want to see how the quarterback just take, take control of their team. Um, I want to see how poised they are up on the fire. I want to see how poised they are in the stadium with fans there. Um, that, that is the, one of the biggest things that I'm looking for right now. And just for the receiver standpoint, I'm ready for people to see the two transfers. Um, I've, I've, I've watched both of those guys, and they were helpless. And, I, you know, Dominique Lovett has, has really caught my eye. He's really caught a lot of people's eyes. So he's going to be one of the guys that I think is uh, – They'll be one of the playmakers that, that helps, uh, helps us win a lot of games this year. He's very dynamic. I mean, what we saw uh, at Missouri is definitely the player that we're going to see at Georgia, yeah. probably even better. So um, that's what I'm looking for. And just the biggest thing, again, just we come out injury-free. And I think you touched on something really important there, too. It's like it's almost like the moment that G-Day ends, there's a new really big story. It's – you know, Mikael Williams in his foot. It's Marvin Jones Jr. in his shoulder. It, it, it's these guys that have a little bit of an injury situation going on right now that we expect to be huge parts of this Georgia defense. You know, Kirby Smart talked the other day in a press conference about kind of what he said, like the game records or, you know, game break, you know, whatever it was he said about those, you know, uh, defensive guys. The growth of this Georgia defense through the summer in terms of key playmakers getting healthy and kind of that 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 group kind of getting its you know playing personality together that almost becomes like the much bigger deal post g-day g-day a lot on saturday is about evaluating these quarterbacks and seeing what's fun about this new look offense but we know that georgia in part is going to be driven by its defense here this season and it feels like to me that becomes a really big story the moment g-day ends and the summer kind of begins would you agree with that Oh, I agree. I definitely, you know, Mikael Williams is, is someone that we're going to be counting on uh, to be that guy on the defensive front, uh, just like Jaden Carter and and uh, Jordan Davis. I think it could be Mikael Williams could be that guy that just is it, the best player in the defensive front. So we definitely need him 100% uh, coming into the, the fall camp and the summer. Uh, Marvin Jones is another guy that uh, I believe is, is going to be a, a terrific player for us. Um, he he just has to come off the shoulder injury and show that you know he can live up to the building. So we, the injuries that we have right now, I know it's just as important for those guys to tackle rehab, just like if they was tackling a, a, a ball carry. They have to hit it head on. They have to take it serious and say, I have to go into the season 100%. Because, again, the old saying is if you walk into the season injury, you're going to walk out the season injury. So we need everyone uh, 100% to try to try to three-peat. And I just think uh, that's it. that is on a lot of people's mind. But we need those playmakers to have the successful season that we need to have, that we want to have. I think that's really well said. And the time we have left on a completely different subject, um, when Natarian Tuggle, the 2024 wide receiver, committed to Georgia the other day, I, I mean, I didn't really know a ton about him. The one thing I have said, Terrence, is with a nickname like Nitro, Nitro Tuggle, to me, he's at least going to be a two-time All-SEC just on the basis of the name alone. That is a fantastic name for a, for a wide receiver. I know you said that you were going to try to uh, dig deep and look at his film a little bit. Have you seen much of Tuggle? Uh, and I guess what can you tell us? Uh, about what Georgia is getting in its most recent 2024 commit. Well, just like you, Brent, I, di I didn't know anything about the kid. Never heard the kid until we got his commitment. So, uh, like I tweeted, so now I'm going to go check him out. And the very first thing that you notice about the kid is his 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 run after catch ability, or his uh, just his ability to make people miss with the ball in his hand. And he's listed at six three, almost 200 pounds, and you don't find that 
ability in a lot of kids his size. Um, I mean, if you look at it, he scored 28 touchdowns last year, and I don't even think he had 50, 50 touches from re- receiving, from rushing the football. So his ability to make people miss with the ball in his hand is something that stands out to me. I mean, let alone being a 6'3", 200-pound kid at 17 right now, and he's probably going to continue to grow. But this is a fantastic pickup for Georgia Bulldogs, and I really urge all the fans to go look at him. I know he's uh, – we have a lot of other guys, and I've, I've read some stuff on Twitter like uh, for, from some Georgia fans about some of the other guys that we have on our board and why him now, why the, why this timing is – why this timing for him. And I I don't care if we don't get any of those top guys. This guy right here is a guy that is a must-take, and his talent level – is up there with those other guys. And I'm sure we're going to get some other, but I love this young man. Uh, Terrence, that's great stuff. I always appreciate your time on our program. And, of course, you're doing great work with receivers here in our state there as well each and every week as part of the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. So for folks who want some of that individual training, and we had some audio earlier of and video of Mike Bubba, the hands-on coach, and you're providing that to your guys each and every week there too. So for people who want more of that, how can they find the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? I've been speaking on a video, and I'm going to send Bobo a message. I haven't seen him run that fast since he used to run a beer option for his, for his father back in high school. So I, I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoy Coach Bobo moving around, having the juice out there. I like and it. I'm going to send him a message. I, you know, I joke with him all the time, say, your father was a beer option uh, coach in high school, and you ran some of the beer, and we just joked about how his pops had to change the offense for him. But I haven't seen him move that fast, that quick, or that type of spark since Thomasville. So I'm going to mess with him about that. But for all the people that want to, you know, looking to get their son or daughter uh, because of flag football, that's right. coming real big in the state. And I will train young ladies uh, because flag football is, is, is a big-time sport right now mm-hmm. in the state of Georgia. So you can find me at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy on all social media platforms. Terrence, that's good stuff and very funny about Mike there as well. Really, really good stuff, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon, okay? Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. That is really funny. Uh, I mean, Bobo was moving around during that practice. That's uh, that's good stuff from Terrence there on that. And I will tell you, a couple years ago, uh, for our high school games on Petrie TV, we had a chance, and this was – this was one of those special things for me because, I mean, let's face it, I, you know, I am kind of a metro Atlanta guy, kind of a northeast Georgia guy. That's where I grew up. You know, I have not been able to be down in south Georgia for high school football as as much as I would like. I've been to Camden County before, more like that sort of, you know, sort of east part of the state. Uh, you know, been to a couple of spots, obviously made it to middle Georgia a few times. Uh, but we got a chance to go down to Thomasville for a game, the uh, place that obviously uh, Mike Bobo played his ball and the uh, Bobo family obviously still so beloved down there and really still a big part of that community in some respects. And um, it was great, great experience. Uh, we saw Gunner play down there, and obviously it was a tough night for Gunner. You know, uh, Thomasville had a very good team that year, but that was one of those things I was just really, really glad I got a chance to do is be down there at a place like Thomasville, which – is really one of the capitals for high school football in our state. And, uh, you know, Terrence kind of mentioned that going back to the time in which Mike himself was a player for his father there, George Bobo. And I don't know, that's a, kind of a fun thing to kind of think about those great memories. And I do love the fact that so many of the Georgia coaches, you know, Kirby and Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp and, you know, so many of these guys, you know, have deep connections to the high school game because obviously that's the, the level of the sport that fuels the next level, which, you know, turns into the NFL on Sunday and everything like that. And, you know, truly – uh, these Georgia coaches, man, and, and former Georgia players like Terrence Edwards, too. They love the high school game. They love contributing to it uh, each and every year, year after year, decade after decade. And that kind of, kind of turns into a long lineage when it's all said and done. I am really proud of that. Something else that I'm really proud of is the fact that we are now only a few days away from the Dog Nation cruise. And I cannot wait to be on board Independence of the Seas with all of you. We're leaving April 24th. We kind of get settled in on that Sunday night, April 23rd, you know, kind of at least a lot of us are, you're kind of getting settled in right there. And I like being in port that night before because, you know, the ships are you know, kind of maybe see a little bit of a early preview of some of the ships kind of coming in and out from the port, kind of get you excited about your own experience, a little bit of a pregame, uh, you know, right there in port before you will get on board there that next day. We've kind of got a lot of our stuff squared away. And honestly, 
uh, even this morning having a little bit of a chatter and, and conversation about some of the stuff that's going to go on we have so many fun special surprises for the folks who are going to be on board with us uh that they really don't have any idea about i mean you know, fun stuff that's going to be going on here uh some of the activities we're going to be doing some special i'm not supposed to say this i don't think but some kind of cool giveaways we're going to be doing while we're on board the cruise ship it's just gonna be a great experience independence of the seas going to nasa on the bahamas going to perfect day coco k uh perfect day coco k literally about my favorite place in the world and one of the things i tell people a lot is is you know if you're kind of planning your own royal caribbean cruise vacation there are a lot of ways you can kind of search for this and sort of decide what's best for you we do believe a great travel agent like jessica slater can help you with that and we think your experience on a royal caribbean cruise vacation will be made better by someone like jessica so give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 let her do great things for you but as you're having that conversation you know you one of the things you might want to steer it towards is look for those uh royal caribbean cruise itineraries that include a stop to perfect day coco k it's a private island in the bahamas and literally only people on royal caribbean cruise vacations get a chance to enjoy it it's one of the reasons why i love royal caribbean because they've got this great thing that's exclusive to them that private island perfect day coco k so make that a big part of what you do when you are uh, on the lookout for your own royal caribbean cruise vacation for those of you who can be we'll see a part of the dog nation cruise coming up in just a few days now cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean tonight is the florida spring game so if you can find it somewhere in the deep recesses of the uh you know dark corner of the internet streaming somewhere uh tune in to laugh because we don't think florida's got a lot going on for itself right now and uh obviously the headline there for florida this spring has been is it Graham Mertz as your starting quarterback, the former Wisconsin signal caller who did not exactly leave Madison with a lot of accolades? Is it Jack Miller, who's probably even less heralded than, than Mertz is? It's not exactly a distinguished competition for Florida right now. But the one thing we've also kind of heard us say a lot thus far this spring is, is that the other thing to be aware of with Florida is this is a thinner offensive line in terms of overall you know, capable bodies than it had a year ago. As bad as Florida was, their offensive line actually last season was not that bad. And thus far, you know, this spring, we've heard rumors of one sort of starter level player potentially transferring. He then deleted that tweet. We'll see if that's real once the portal opens back up. Another Florida offensive lineman announced his intention to transfer the other day. And so I think a lot of this for Florida kind of comes down to how many SEC level players does 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 billy napier seemed to have on the base of the spring game and how many holes can they fill when this portal window opens up on april 15th and that's what a lot of this is going to be i'm telling you it's going to be a mad dash for two weeks after saturday for teams like florida who we really don't think have a lot to show for themselves on a night like this to um you know just kind of see can we add a few more capable sec level players is that level of player even available in the transfer portal and if they are can florida kind of win the race to bring them in we think that's a big part of what this is going to be and frankly if this is a bad spring game if it is a little bit ugly if it is a little bit sloppy you know a coach like billy Napier probably doesn't hate that because that in its own way kind of becomes his own open for business help wanted sign uh that he can say hey do you see our spring game this is how bad we need you and one of the best recruiting pitches as weird as it sounds for time and memoriam has been hey this is how bad we need you look how bad we are we desperately need you in florida spring game maybe a little bit of an open advertisement to potential portal entrance uh that immediate playing time is available in florida because they were bad last year based on what they have on paper this year they could be even worse uh, unless some miraculous transformation occurs through the transfer portal you better believe that is what billy napier is probably hoping for so i thought this was kind of funny and this is one of those things that we told you about what a week ago at least and sometimes you know there's a reason why we kind of do the things that we do we told you that be on the lookout for a little bit of buzz around uh malik benson the junior college wide receiver at alabama we said this the other day remember that you know we had kind of had some fun with the idea that it doesn't sound like this quarterback competition in Alabama has been all that uh, stellar here thus far. And a guy like Ty Simpson is supposed to be the next big thing. Sort of seems like that's been a little bit quiet right now, which oftentimes no news is not good news when it comes to, to stuff like this. And so as a way of counterbalancing that, we said there was positive buzz coming out of Tuscaloosa as related to Malik Benson, the junior college wide receiver. If you are a regular daily listener or viewer to our show, you probably remember us saying that. However, 
<laughs> in light of what we thought was a very fair and measured description of this, the fact that it does seem like Benson's had a pretty good spring, we thought we would take some time to laugh here a little bit at how far some Alabama folks are willing to take that. I'm going to look here at a Touchdown Alabama magazine here. Uh, and one source telling the writer, I believe it's uh, Stephen Smith is the writer's name, I think. Um, but a source telling him when it comes to Benson uh, that it's going to take a top five cornerback nationally to even have a chance to cover Malik Benson. He said, if you're not going to play on Sundays, you're not going to cover him. Well, the good news is those are the only kinds of cornerbacks Georgia has. So it seems like Georgia may be well taken care of as it relates to that. But it's also an example of something we told you the other day that Benson legitimately seemed like he was having a pretty good spring and that, that he might be an effective offensive weapon for Alabama, a team that didn't have nearly enough of those a year ago. We thought we were kind of fair and balanced about that. We acknowledged it seemed like some good things are coming out about Benson. But then Crimson Tide fans can't be satisfied with just that. they got to take it to the next level of, oh, my gosh, nobody can cover him. Oh, my gosh, you know, uh, <laughs> he's unstoppable. And part of me wants to say, well, have you ever considered the fact that he seems uncoverable is because the Alabama secondary can't cover him? And then, then maybe that sort of speaks to <laughs> what we've seen be an issue a little bit at times with the Alabama secondary as of late, just maybe. But nonetheless, quarterback competition right now at Alabama, not generating a lot of buzz. Uh, Malik Benson, the former junior college wide receiver. Oh, it sounds like, I mean, Benson himself, and I don't fault the player for saying this because he's not a professional communicator, but he said something to the effect of that he's a combination of Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. He's like basically like, you know, uh, you know, a combination of all these great former Alabama wide receivers, which is not doing himself any favors. Of course, I don't fault him for that. You know, these players are not, you know, professional spokesmen necessarily, but the hype train has left the station in Tuscaloosa for Malik Benson uh, as an Alabama wide receiver, and we will find out very, very soon if they have a quarterback to actually deliver him the football. By the way, the Alabama spring game is next weekend. Once again, if you've got really good internet connection, you might find that streaming somewhere. No TV, though, for the Crimson Tide. And then finally, there's this as a part of our cruise around the uh, SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Um, some early point spreads are starting to kind of creep out here in the uh, world of uh, college football i love this kind of stuff this time of year it seems like used to be you had to wait to almost july to get any what you call look ahead lines college football point spreads uh for upcoming games like there was a time not too long ago where that stuff didn't come out to like you know uh pretty uh dog days of summer and they sort of come out earlier and earlier and earlier and a lot of this now generated by uh you know a lot of the you know kind of online sports books uh sports wagering is legal in 37 states now georgia will probably be you know among the very last to ever adopt that but you know with the proliferation of a lot of these you know kind of app-based you know sports books things like that you just have earlier look ahead lines you've ever had before uh, a sports uh, college ball gambling expert type guy like brad powers has been kind of chronicling some of this i want to show you a series of his tweets as of late that kind of give you some of these look ahead lines and yes i realize this is not a pretty graphic i i, I realize that this is not a pretty graphic for those of you watching on video but i feel like it gets the job done so let me give you a couple of sports uh uh point spreads of note here for games involving the sec first of all according to uh, uh FanDuel, uh right now week one in orlando you've got lsu as a one-point favorite against florida state y'all that is a great game i mean it was a really good game last year kind of a wild game but a really good game uh lsu we think they've been completely overlooked thus far in the sec florida state generating some real buzz and we understand why with jordan travis coming back on a pretty good team a year ago how much fun is lsu florida state in orlando week one how about this the only thing that billy napier had to show for his first season in gainesville last year was a win against utah now as we said before sec teams don't get credit for beating pac-12 teams uh florida doesn't get credit for beating utah georgia doesn't get credit for beating oregon sec teams are supposed to beat pac-12 teams but for florida who now after winning in gainesville a year ago has to go to rice Eccles stadium in salt lake city which by west of the colorado river standards is a pretty tough place to play how about Utah, according to Brad Powers and FanDuel? Utah is a nine-point favorite against Florida right now in week one. Uh, that is a tough situation. Uh, UNC, a point-and-a-half favorite against South Carolina. I guess I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, you know, this is a South Carolina team that beat Tennessee and Clemson last year. Now they're a dog uh, in a neutral site to North Carolina week one. That's a little wild. Uh, what else of note here? you got Alabama, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Texas. It was a close game a year ago. 
Uh, we'll see if that's the case again here right now. Uh, Alabama also had a nine and a half point favorite against Texas A&M, nine and a half point favorite against LSU. Where is that coming from? How is Alabama a nine and a half point favorite against LSU? Yes, it's a home game for the Crimson Tide this year, but where is that coming from? I feel like that's a, uh, I mean, I feel like that's a game I'd bet right now. I mean, um, if you're going to blindly give me uh, LSU plus nine and a half points, I feel like I like that. I feel like I do. Uh, I thought this was interesting too. Um, if you want to know what the kind of early lean on the Georgia-Tennessee game is, Georgia's only a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Tennessee. They were about a nine-point favorite uh, at home last year. We haven't seen Georgia be only a seven-and-a-half-point favorite very much the last couple of seasons. So, you know, you can laugh if you want to, and maybe you will, but expectations are that Georgia-Tennessee game could be pretty close up there in Neyland Stadium. Georgia's still in excess of a touchdown favorite, but just seven and a half there in that spot. Georgia's a 20 and a half point favorite against Florida, according to a fan duel. Uh, Egg Bowl, Bulldogs, a point and a half point favorite against Ole Miss. If Lane Kiffin loses the uh, Egg Bowl again, he's not getting the Auburn job. He may not have the Ole Miss job anymore at that point in time. That was embarrassing for him. And then the only other Georgia game Brad Powers has is Georgia as a 24-point favorite against Kentucky. I don't know why they chose that game to uh, give you spread for, but that was one of those look-ahead lines. And this is not the SEC, but I did think it was interesting. Michigan has beaten Ohio State two years in a row. And as the game swings back to Ann Arbor this November, Wolverine's a one-point favorite against Ohio State right there. So that's some of the stuff that's out there for early looks at big 2023 games. Brad Powers on Twitter. I'm sure we'll have plenty more of that in the weeks and months to come, of course. But some of those early games of the year look-ahead lines, in this case via FanDuel shared by Brad Powers, will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Hold the song if you don't mind today because I want to show the golden shoe on the screen here for a moment before we kind of wrap up. We'll play our fight song here in a moment. This is truly one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen as far as our golden shoe goes. And it comes to us via our friend Ryan Walker, who's a very, very big part of our Dog Nation community here, active commenter on Facebook, a guy who calls in a lot on our call in shows. In fact, on Saturday, I hope we hear from Ryan again. Uh, we'll do our Dog Nation postgame show live from the UJ Bookstore after G-Day. So make plans to join us there for that. All video channels. Uh, call us. Give us your thoughts on that G-Day game. We're going to have a ton of guests stopping by to be a part of that. We're going to have a really fun show right back at the UJ Bookstore. We kind of always have been. So we're really looking forward to that. Ryan's a guy that calls in this kind of stuff a lot. And he sent something to me yesterday that truly blew my mind. Now, I've realized if you're listening podcast radio, you don't see this. But let me uh, describe it to you. We'll throw this up on the screen here. So Ryan was watching on the WWE Network, which is now kind of housed on the Peacock streamer. Um, he was watching an old episode of Monday Nitro. This was the very first time that, that Monday Nitro, the old WCW show, ever uh, came to Atlanta. This was at the old Omni, a, a building that doesn't even, doesn't even exist anymore. And as he says, as he was watching the show, he noticed uh, a young Brandon Adams at Nitro, January 1st, 1996, in the opening match of the card that night, which was Arn Anderson against Randy Savage. And that is me uh, from 1996. I remember being there. I kind of forgotten about being there, but I remembered being there 1996 there at Monday Nitro. Now, a lot of questions have been asked by this because I shared this on Twitter there yesterday. I am wearing a tie to a pro wrestling show. Look, let me try to explain this. There are two reasons I was wearing the tie to the pro wrestling show. Reason number one is, is that this is back when like the four horsemen were big. You know, Ric Flair was always dressed up. This was supposed to be my uh, homage, if you will, to the four horsemen kind of wearing the tie, kind of dressed up the way the four horsemen did. To be honest with you, people sort of made fun of me for this at that particular night, too. So even back in the 90s, which this was, this was sort of a controversial decision to wear a tie to a wrestling event. But I was trying to be like Ric Flair. I was trying to be styling and profiling. Now, the other thing is, and this is a true story, also just prior to going down there to see the event, I had just gotten off work at JCPenney. And it had to wait, you had to wear a tie to work at JCPenney back then, which if you want to, I mean, nothing says 90s more than even teenagers, um, you know, had to wear ties to work. Like, I'm not even sure that anybody in our corporation still wears a tie, at least not on a regular basis. But back then, 
teenagers wore ties to work at jc at jc penny like we used to be a proper society like we like we used to get dressed up on a more regular basis than we do now so reason number one that i'm wearing the tie is i'd actually worked that day at jc penny and then i wanted to keep the clothes on the dress clothes on as a way of like paying homage to the four horsemen which was my favorite faction uh back in those days but admittedly i sort of got made fun of even that night for wearing a tie to wrestling so maybe I didn't quite pull it off the way that i thought that i probably should have but that is the honest true story and you know i asked ryan walker on twitter yesterday i said how did you find this picture of me from 1996 we've never talked about this in the show i like i had forgotten that i was there um i kind of got sort of fell into some seats there that's that's actually you know i don't mind telling you that's front row right there uh ringside i sort of fell into those tickets uh pardon me that's a long how i got the tickets a little bit of a long story but uh but i was right there front row ringside for a monday nitro the first time it came to atlanta uh, at the omni and yes like a total dork i wore a tie the wrestling event i was trying to be like the four four horsemen but even back then nobody really understood that part of it uh but nonetheless uh ryan walker has found that and i think it's the most amazing moment in golden shoe history because uh that is just that is that is quite some detective worth first of all to even identify me as a teenager um i mean how much younger do i look right there uh with the you know dark full head of dark hair well that's 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 a that's a different version of BA, although maybe I haven't changed all that much. I don't know. Maybe I have. Uh, nonetheless, very good job for Ryan Walker and probably the most deserving golden shoe that we've ever given out around here. So my inspiration for wearing the tie was is that, you know, at the old like 605 Saturday night show that used to be on, you know, uh, WTBS, like sometimes you'd have these people that would, like be, you know, in that old studio, which is you know the one that's right there on the highway uh that i think cartoon network's based out of there now um that old studio you have people that kind of show up they'd be kind of like dressed like the horsemen and that's that's kind of what i was trying to pull off instead of like a bible salesman like, like that's not quite you know the uh the image i was trying to uh you know sort of put off there but i guess that's what it ends up being nonetheless ryan walker spotted that and i'll that that's amazing that is we didn't talk about this this wasn't set up it just sort of happened and uh, he found it and that's i'd almost forgot that it even happened so great job ryan there on that no tie for me in uh jacksville this upcoming october but we'll be back there for the cocktail party again 198 days from right now that is our gatorator countdown we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp